This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check them out at theropetrainer.com. Great group over there, Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, of course, John Smoltz. Uh, everybody, legendary thoughts there, you know, takes time out of his Hall of Fame speech to address what's become a growing epidemic. Uh, the Rope Trainer, the guys over there are trying to address it, uh, both in a way to help and fix. So, therefore... I'm willing to check it out. You should, too, as well. TheRopeTrainer.com. Check it out today. Love to know your thoughts on it. There's so many people that have been texting in. They got one. They love it. They feel like it's good, not just for pitchers, either. They're using it all over to get their kids loose and to save those bullets for those arms, especially for when they get older, because we are playing a lot more baseball at a young age than we used to. So it's a great thing to check out, TheRopeTrainer.com. Excited about the show this week. I want to let you guys know, obviously, um, uh, everybody's aware now I have a new co-host. Let me welcome him in, Spiker Helms from uh, The Tourney Guy. What's going on, bud? I am doing great. I'm wearing my STL shirt and loving it. Yeah, because it's uh, almost Cardinal season. We are rolling right yeah. along here. Um, but I'm excited about the show. We've started a new series, the Velocity Series, that we're kind of a couple weeks into. Um, Spiker and I are toying around with a lot of things that we're going to do for the show to enhance it, both from an enjoyment uh, uh, view on your part uh, a content thing on our part as well so that you can feel like you're really getting some of the best information. Uh, we're definitely going YouTube, which uh, is a new thing for yep. me. Spiker's introducing me to that. Thank you so much. So you're going to be able to see my ugly mug on YouTube and um, you know, and go from there. But uh, so one of the other things we've been toying around with doing is I have so many great contacts, and I've been talking to a lot of them about collaborating and trying to bring you more information on a consistent basis. Uh, we're working on that. It's tough because you're talking about a lot of different people trying to come together at the, at the right time. So that is something I'm still committed to doing. But until that time, Spiker and I, we get together, we do these shows, we try to line up all these interviews, and we find ourselves sitting around and just talking about all the things that go on, whether it be baseball at eight years old, baseball in college, baseball in high school, and just some, uh, I hate to use this term because this sounds like a work term, but best practices, yep. like things you can do things you can adhere to, things you can, tr- you know, tried and true things that work. And, and, and again, the hard part is maybe they don't work for everybody, but mm-hmm. they're at, at least worth exploring, and that's why they call them best practices. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, as we always do, we pay attention to what you guys are doing. And, and I want to remind you, make sure you check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. That's where we house the podcast. You can listen to all the back episodes. We've had some great guests. You can stay in tune with what we're doing. We're committed to bringing you more videos, more instructional stuff from our great staff here that are included in the show, like Justin Stone, Rick Strickland, some of the guys that that we have on that are some of the best uh, influencers and instructors in the country. But, of course, the easiest thing to do then is subscribe through youthbaseballtalk.com. This show is absolutely free, and you can get a notification. But um, but at Podcast Baseball on Twitter is where you can find us, and Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook, and we want to connect with you guys through all of our social media. Facebook's where I'm going here. Spiker, I don't know if you saw it, but I saw an interesting article that was kind of making its way around Facebook. And 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 again, guys, we pay attention to what you're sharing, what you're talking about, because then we're going to address it, right? Because you guys are obviously interested. I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was an interesting article going around, and the title of it was, Parents Should Never Talk to Coaches. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds a little um, that sounds a little over the edge. Parents not talking to coaches. Um, for me, I hear that and it makes me think, okay, the season's starting, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. The season is underway. In some places, it's going on. Uh, in other places, it's just getting ramped up. It really doesn't matter. So I thought, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about some do's and don'ts. Yep. Um, and again. This is all guideline-type stuff, people. We're not sitting here saying, don't ever do this or make sure you always do this. All guideline stuff, and again, we are always open to somebody to say, hey, you know what? I disagree with you guys. I think it's okay, and let's talk about it, and let's try to figure out a good way. But, um, you know, when you hear somebody say that, Spiker, a generalized statement, don't ever talk to a coach. You yourself, coach, you Mm -hmm. played at a high level. You run a quality organization 
that has teams everywhere from 8U all the way up to 18U national teams. When you hear somebody say, don't ever talk to a coach, what's the first thing that comes in your mind? Context, approach, what, what's the context of the conversation, and then going from there. So in the high school level, it said don't go up and give your son a Gatorade, a pretzel, <laughs> a Laffy Taffy, one of those things. Um, but also when I, when I think about it, these coaches are volunteers. And and the last thing I want to well, do, some well yeah, yeah some they're actually they're actually it's actually going down the paid route which yeah. is which is crazy to think about where sure. where it was twenty years ago, but um, yeah so with 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 the volunteers I, I I tell parents like you know what it's the context of the conversation if you come up with a respectful approach um, it'll it'll be candid you'll, you'll you, you might not agree with the, what what's happening but at least there gonna be there's gonna be a good relationship there. Well, for me, when I hear it, the first thing is I think of is, and, and again, there's a, there's a variety of things I think of, but the first thing is when's the conversation taking place? I think that's the key. That's number one. Okay, folks, don't talk to a coach at the field after a game. I don't care if, they, if you've won, lost, tied, <laughs> rained out. I don't care what it is. It's not a good place. And in the Tigers organization, we have a 24-hour rule. So you have to sleep on it before you talk to the coach, and that's at the high school high school level. So I, when I'm coaching, um, I'm very personable with my players and also with the parents, but there is that 24-hour rule where you need to sleep on it, I need to sleep on it, then let's talk about it, we'll have a meeting. And I've had a number of meetings where we, we just talk. Well, I, I love that because I can tell you that for most things in my life, <laughs> not even baseball, where I've... Uh, what's the word I want to use here? I want to be real selective with this word. When I've been um, angry or even happy, it doesn't really matter. So I don't have a great word for this, but the bottom line is I've done, a, I've done a lot of things that if I would have waited 24 hours, I probably would have handled differently, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think it's a great rule. It's a shame we have to have a rule, but we do. I mean, because we, we, that's another thing, right? we got to be consistent, right? Important. Um, I, I, you said something though that makes me want to ask you this question because again you're, you know, you run a quality organization and I'm telling you it is by all accounts just I, I again this is a great tribute to what you guys do never hear anybody unhappy. Mm-hmm. Why do you only have that rule at the high school level not at the youth level? That surprises me. Well, with the, how the Tigers how how we're set up is that the high school level um, that's where the directors are. And then we give counsel to the coaches at the youth level. So the youth coaches, that's their team. That's their show. They're running the whole thing. And then we give them support throughout. Where the high school, we, we go from the ground up. We go schedules. We go coaches. Um, we go payments. We, go, we do everything. With the, youth, with the youth side, we just give counsel to the youth coaches. And I, I get emails all the time from coaches asking me questions. Hey, what would you think about this situation? How would you handle it that way? Um, umpire umpire confrontations, um, parent confrontations, successes, um, failures, all, all across the board. Well, and that is interesting. I, you know, for me, I, I can only speak to coaching at the youth level. Okay. Like I'm recently, everybody knows I'm recently done. Mm-hmm. I've become a parent now. Um, and I'm trying to, as a parent, be the example that I've always wanted other parents to be. I mean, I can't, I can't um, talk about this and then go out and, and completely get away from everything I've ever thought was right. So while it's not easy, I'm trying. So um, I think how I would have wanted people to approach it, A, first and foremost, never talk about it at the field. And that's another thing. And, and where I'm going with that is I love the 24-hour rule. Mm-hmm. I personally would think 24 hours across the board, every age group, um, uh, but I would also say this, yes, 24 hours and still not at the field. So where I'm going with that is don't wait till tomorrow and come back to me before the game and, and have, that's not, yeah. that is not the place to do it folks at the field. There's a variety of reasons. Least of all is because it should never get to this, but least of all, if it turns bad. Mm-hmm. And when I say bad, I'm not even talking a fight like, God, it should never happen. I mean, bad, just a couple of guys, voices, mm-hmm having a conversation about things that are really nobody else's business in front of people. It just should never happen. And you never want anybody else not to realize that people aren't on the same page. I think you can do that while also being respectful. And you mentioned it. A lot of these guys are volunteers. Mm -hmm. 
even the ones that are getting paid. I'm an advocate of paid coaches. I love it, to be completely honest with you. I think it's great. Um, really? Well, well, let's go down that route. Why? Oh, you want to? Okay. Yeah. Well, because I like the whole, you know what? Turn your kid over to somebody. You're paying them to do a job. And basically, you decide, do I... Do I like this situation or not? So it's the professionalism. I it's, like the professionalism of it. I like Specialization. The, now, listen, I will say this. I think, and I've said it before, I think I was a very good, and I, I think I was a very good youth baseball coach. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of, and I only say that because I feel like I did a good job. I had a lot of fun doing it. I had a lot of people want to play for me. I, I had a lot of people give me a lot of nice compliments over the years. Mm-hmm. So I'm I, I'm one of these guys, I don't want to be ignorant about stuff and say, oh, the, no, I think I was, okay? But I also think that if everybody approached it the same way that I tried to approach Now, I wasn't perfect either, though. Yeah. Okay, like there are things that I did that I wish I wouldn't have done. Why? And this is where I'm going with the paid coach thing. Because my son was on the team. For me, it was a little different. It mm-hmm. wasn't the... I, I, it was daddy ball. It was the other way. My son paid a price probably for playing for me a little bit. He would get sat when, when times got a little tough on the bench and some parents may not have, you know, parents don't have to freak out for, you know, they're not happy that their kid's not playing a lot or pitching in a big game or batting in the top of the order. So if you were to have, if you were to talk to my son right now and believe me, he's just fine. Yeah. (laughs) He would tell you, yeah, I batted in the bottom of the order a lot. And there were times I was hitting pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, I pitched really well, but I didn't pitch in a lot of the biggest games. I'd pitch in some of the games leading up to it. Um, yeah, I was a really good fielder, but I traded time a lot with people. I would have liked to have played short, but my dad played me at second a lot. Um, that's what he would tell you. Dad would get on me pretty hard, but would coax other people. That was the biggest thing. Even my assistant coaches would say is, you will nurse lots of kids through things, but you don't give your son the same courtesy. An example would be one time I did start leading him off because he was doing really well. Mm-hmm. He did okay for a couple games. Then he went into a little funk for a game or two, and I immediately moved him back. And I had a guy come up to me and say, you know what, you've stuck with one of the same kids for a couple of years in that leadoff role, and he hasn't hit very well for two years. Why? You know, he, just because he's your son doesn't mean you can't show him the same courtesy that you would show somebody else. And when he said it, I knew immediately that he was right, but I also knew that I was human, and I knew what I was feeling inside. And what I was feeling inside is that at any time, at any juncture, if I gave any slack to my son when he was struggling, people would think, they would think he's getting slack because he's his son. Nobody would think that's how Jim is. He has, he has stuck by every kid on this team at some juncture or another when they've struggled, he's sticking by his son. I think that's a hard thing for a coach. Now, here, here's a question, because I was never the coach's son. I was always I was always um, just a player. How did you deal with that on, like, the drive homes? Oh, I, like, I could only imagine. Because, I mean, the conversations that I had with my dad about the game, what, was it, what would it be like with, with you and your son? Oh, I, listen, if you, you know... <laughs> go back and listen to some past episodes. It wasn't good. I've said it a thousand times over. As much as the Matheny Manifesto changed me in my outlook on on youth baseball, that was my outlook on youth baseball, that there's a better way. And again, I say this all the time, do yourself a favor and read it. Don't let somebody tell you about it. Don't read the first line or two and think, oh, I'm not reading this, because that's what I did the very first time. Mm -hmm. Read it and thought, I'm not listening to this. It's going to be another big league ball player telling me we're all crazy. The kids should be playing rec league. We're nuts. We shouldn't be doing all that. That's not what it is. It's actually the opposite. He's basically telling you to let the kids handle it. Let them grow up. Treat them like adults. Mm-hmm. Let them handle. They need to learn how to handle failure. You need to get out of your kid's way. And if at any time this is about you, you're in big trouble. It should be only about them. Okay, so that's first and foremost. As much as that changed my opinion of youth baseball and where I felt like I was, the thing that changed me personally was a blog I read when Mike was doing a lot of that stuff on his website, and it was called The Car Ride Home, which I think has also become a legendary blog. Mm -hmm. And basically the gist of it is, and I won't bore you, but I will encourage you to Google it, The Car Ride Home. It's a great blog. I will encourage you to do so because – 
um, it says in there that they pulled, and again, man, I'm, this, it's been a while since I read it. I used to try to read it every year, but I didn't read it this year, obviously, mm-hmm. which I should because now I'm a real parent. Mm-hmm. But they pulled a ton of big leaguers or professional players, which means it probably was some minor league guys as well. But I want to say it was two or 300. And they asked them what the worst part of their experience as a kid was, and it was the car ride home. And that's awful. And uh, when I read it, I immediately – I mean, when you read that, okay, if you are human at all, and unless you really think you're that much smarter than everybody else, the first thing you start thinking of is all the car rides home where you got in the car and immediately started in on them. Because what? They didn't do good enough for yeah. you. Well, that's like the backstop, Dad. I mean – I could only imagine because I've had a number of friends where their dad was the backstop dad and he'd coach from from the behind scenes. I can only imagine what the car ride home would have been like for that. Well, and again, I, you know, well, is there, let me ask a question. Can anything really good come of, and again, here's my favorite. Hey, I did it again. I, I I did it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that I'm perfect. I did it. Mm -hmm. I look back now and think, I know what I thought. So was it getting in a car and going, bud, that just wasn't good enough today. Where was your effort? You got to come out here and you have to do, you have to take this. What good comes of that? Five minutes after you get in the car or a minute after you get, sometimes in the parking lot. Let me, what good can possibly come of that? And here's my favorite. And this is where I take full ownership of it. And this is the issue. I've said it once on this show. I've said it again. I don't think a lot of guys, me included, I don't think we do it to be an asshole. No. We do it because we really think we're helping. And I want to sing this song and dance that my kid wants me to be that way. He needs me to be that way. That's my favorite. No, no, no. Maybe for every other kid, but my kid thrives on me and him in the car on the way home. And you know what my answer is to that? Bullcrap. And I'll tell you why. Put yourself in that car seat when you were 10. Nobody wants to do, but that's, you know, nobody, want, nobody wants to get a hit more than he does or she. Nobody wants to throw strikes more than he or she. Nobody wants to make the play more than he or she. It's hard enough on them when they don't do it. So then we're going to jump in their nightmare after a bad game. It's, it, listen, saying it to you out loud right now almost makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. Because how can we as the adult not be smart enough not to know that? I mean, it's serious. I read the car ride home and immediately marched upstairs. I cried on my couch, cried, went upstairs to both my kids' rooms. At this time, one of them was in high school, just starting high school baseball. The other one, four years younger, obviously. And apologized to both of them and told them it would never happen again. Now, here's the sad part. It has happened again, very minimally, very much on a smaller scale, but even just trying to have a conversation with them. And I get, when I get home, I sit there and think, I told myself I wasn't going to have a conversation with them. And I didn't yell at them. I didn't scream at them. But there's really no reason to even have a conversation at that juncture. We can have it later. Again, you don't need to jump in their nightmare. Did that stem from you wanting, like, really wanting that success for them? Or was it something other other than that? I don't know. I I, I don't know. Uh, wanting, for me, success. See, I'm a believer in Steve Springer's philosophy. I've redefined success. I've redefined failure. Okay? Um, I do another show, a Cardinal show, okay, about St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, hot topic right now, who's going to be the fourth outfielder? I tweeted out on my Cardinal site the other day, or yesterday, this is why Tommy Pham will never be a major league outfielder. He had a runner on third with one out, and he took a horrible at bat. It was awful. Completely awful. Okay? His next at bat, he came up with the bases loaded and one out, and got a ground ball, seeing eye ground ball up the middle. Now, the people that, and again, this is okay, the people that don't know much about baseball, We'll go, he got a big hit there. But if you watch the at-bat, what's he need with the bases loaded and, and, and one out? He doesn't need a ground ball. Drive the ball out of the ballpark. Okay. That's what you're looking for. That's right. And what did he do first his first at-bat? No, what did he do his first pitch? It was, a, it was a curveball in the dirt and he swung at it. Oh, man. So my point is, okay, here's a situation where a guy had an, a, a, a success on paper, 
but the bat was a failure even though he succeeded. What I always wanted out of my kid was to play the game the right way, play it hard, play it with love and passion. That's all I wanted. If I didn't feel like he did that, that's when I as a parent would get frustrated and probably overreact. I never ever was like, man, you were 0 for 4 or you didn't throw good or you didn't do it. I didn't it wasn't that. It wasn't results-driven. It wasn't results-driven. It was how he went about his business. And then as I got older, and even today, I sit there and think to myself, you can't ask a Honda Accord to be a Ferrari. Okay? Each kid is different, folks. My son was a young player, immature, undersized. But he could play a little bit. He's who he is. He's going to be a little flighty. He's going to be a little out there. He's, but you know what? Forget the fact that it wasn't good enough for me. It was good enough for a lot of other people that loved him and thought he was great to be around and fun and good guy to have in the dugout, and the kids all loved him. But at times that wasn't good enough for me because I wanted a Dustin Pedroia at 10 years old. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So I look back on it now, and I wish I would have done some things different. And again, never beat my kid or never did anything stupid. But my point is we don't need to jump in their nightmare. So as far as a do or a don't, I know we started with the coaches. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Okay? Now, again, I'm not naive. There's bad situations everywhere. That's the way of the world. We got bad stuff happening everywhere. Okay? But when it comes to coaching, okay, give those guys the benefit of the doubt. It's not always about you and your son. Remember, they're coaching sometimes 10, 11, 12, 13 kids, whatever it is. They have a plan. Anytime I ever had any issues as a coach with anybody, I used to tell them, look, I had a plan. I got punched in the mouth with my plan, and it changed what I was going to do, and it adversely affect your son this one particular game. I'm sorry. How? Here's a good question for you, Okay. and I can answer as well, but how did you deal with – so as a coach, we always try to get to work as a unit, right. not individualism. Right. How do you get the parents on the same board? It's hard, and I'll tell you why. Um, I've got a great friend whose sons were both pretty good ball players when they were younger, and they just kind of got away from it and went into other sports. They turned into golfers. And he was a good baseball player himself. Um, he and I have had numerous conversations about various things. and He's got an interesting outlook on youth baseball in general. And he would say that we, and I say we, that, that do this select baseball thing are the problem with that exact thing. And what he says is, You guys carry 10 players, so everybody plays. And the minute they get into a situation where not everybody plays, they can't handle it because you never taught them that sitting on the bench and coming off the bench and being a supportive player and, and being a good teammate when you weren't playing and when you got your time, somebody would support you. We never taught. That's the one thing we didn't teach them when they were young, and he's 100% right. He's 100% right. Think about that, Spiker. Every youth team you have, I guarantee you, everybody plays every game. Mm-hmm. And then they get to freshman baseball and what? They're cut off. They sit. Yeah. And mom and dad can't believe they're sitting, and they don't know how to sit, and the kid doesn't enjoy it. Then how do you – How do you? Well, I mean, again, um, there's a variety of reasons why travel, baseball, select baseball, whatever you want to call it, has grown at length, and that is one of them. What is it? I compare it to religion. Okay, I'm a religious guy, but how do all these different religions form? I can tell you how they formed. This group over here said, we like everything about this except for this one little thing. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to go over here where that's okay. And these people all said, yeah, but you know what? You're doing something I don't like, so go here. That's what happened with travel baseball. You got some kids that weren't getting some playing time, and they said, you know what? I'm going to go over to this team where I can play, and then the kids play, and then those kids play. You don't have rosters at young ages of 15, 16. And everybody takes their turn and works. But I guarantee, I know I did it when I was a kid in rec, league, in rec League. I didn't play every game in Rec League. We had 15 kids on the team. They didn't bat the lineup. You played nine. When it was your turn to sit, you sat. Now, what's, how, what, how, when, you guys, when you started coaching, how many original guys did you have on that team going all the way up to 14U? I lost, um, through the whole thing, I lost uh, two players, three players over time. Oh, so they stuck with they stuck with the all whole. The I had the whole wow. group. Um, That's rare. Two kid and two kids quit at a young age. Um, wanted to play. They were they were they were soccer players first, baseball players second. So it didn't work out really, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I'll be honest, I don't lie. They weren't happy. They didn't like their role. They saw where they were. But that's very order. rare, though. Like you, yeah. you, you kept the core. Yeah, you kept that core oh, together. Yeah. Um, and had them since seven. Uh, they didn't like their place. Um, and you know, when they left, it it was like, okay, that's fine. I, at the time, I thought to myself, you don't really want to be here as much as everybody else anyway, so that's okay. What I always say is this: if you don't want to be here, I hope you go find a great situation. And the only other kid I lost was a, a kid that was a really good player that was playing up. Mm-hmm. And on my team, uh, he didn't play shortstop, and he wanted to play shortstop. So he went down to his own age level and played shortstop. Now that going, was it. Now going back to... Now he played some shortstop, but he wanted to play shortstop all the time. So there was a team a year younger that was his actual age bracket that was more than happy to have him. You know what I told him? Go down there and kill it. Ha- I'm happy for you. But nobody's going to play shortstop every inning for me at this age. Now, how did you get the play? Because good example, you kept your core. Yep. How did you get the parents on the same board as the kids? Well, never forget this, coaches. Never forget this, parents. You're not just if, – I don't care how you do this. If it's hand-picked, if it's tryouts, if it's teams formed out of organizations, my advice to everybody is never forget this. You're not just getting kids. You're getting their parents. I had great parents. Great parents. I mean, that's a little bit of luck, maybe. Was it just communication? Did you communicate? try to over-communicate with them? I did. I did a good job of that. I tried to. I was honest, I think. The one thing, here's the one thing. I went into it knowing this. Um, of all the things people could say about me today, 10 years from now, they could say, I never understood why he kept batting that kid leadoff. I never understood why he never gave this kid a chance to pitch. I never understood why he felt the need to do this. I'm okay with that. That's, I mean, come on. That, that, that's, we, I, I do that with Tony LaRussa and Mike Matheny, okay? And these guys, Tony LaRussa's in a Hall of Fame, and I second-guessed him a thousand times when he was a St. Louis Cardinal manager. So I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Plus, I've always said this, too. When it comes to your son, all bets are off. You are emotionally attached to your son. You naturally want answers. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. I'm willing to give a little to that. you got to have a little thick skin. But what I will say is they will never, not one person that ever played for me will be able to say he was a liar or he was bad to my kid. Nobody. And that was my goal. And I say this all the time. When I started, I went in it with the full expectations to go full bore and every year have tryouts. And I don't care who you were. I don't care what you did for me. You were trying out the next year. I went into it fully wanting to do that. And we started at the end of their seven-year-old age. Now, Logan had already been playing at U. Mm-hmm. He played at U for two years till he finally got with his own age group. That team kind of got together. They asked me to coach it. It had great kids on it. I loved the parents. I loved the kids. They liked the way I did it, and I wasn't perfect, but they appreciated it. We had a great group. But the one thing none of them, of the few kids that left us over, God, what is that, seven years? Yeah, that's a long That's a long time yeah, for I mean, a core. Yeah, typically, I mean, we, we talked about it as parents. Like we would be out of town sitting around maybe having a, having a cocktail, whatever, at the pool at night. A lot of teams don't stick together that long. That's a family. Yeah. It really is. And um, to this day, you know, obviously they're still together because their kids were all baseball age a year younger than Logan. So they're all still together. We still, they're still our best friends. We still meet, do this, and we go watch and do. I mean, it's, it is. It's tight knit. And to, to, assume that it, to assume that at any time everybody was 100% on board with what we were doing would be crazy for sure. But I will say this. Nobody will ever say he was bad to my kid or he lied to us. Never. Absolutely never. Now, to touch on that point with another don't, do you agree with this? Is that never talk about the game situations with the coach? Um, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to surprise everybody and say I'll talk about it. You'll talk about it, but is it okay for a parent to go up and talk about the situation? At the game? Like, well, after the game. 
Like uh, again, hey, why, why did you choose on um, first and third? You end up doing a delayed steal with one out. Why'd you I do would, that? I would tell him. Oh, I would. I would never take the stance of don't question me. I wouldn't do that. I'd be happy to tell him. And, and that's thing I have. So that's another reason why I probably had a good rapport with my parents. I would say, my bad. I tried something there. I had to go. Listen, there's a book. There's a book. If, if you go, if you, if, if, if me, you, and Ryan right now, our producer Ryan, by the way, <laughs> He's, say hello, Ryan. How's it going, guys? I, we're, we're, we're trying to, to, to get him something good he can look up here and jump in. But, um, but this is, to this point, it's all been personal experience. Um, I, I will say this. If you, if, if you, me, and Ryan went to the boat right now and played blackjack, we all go. Do you guys play a little blackjack before I say this? Yes. Okay. We all go with the intent to what? Play by the book. There's a book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Is it, it would be naive of me to think that if we went over there and played blackjack for five hours, that at some juncture during the evening, you won't do something against the book. You just will. And oh, why will you? And why will you? Because what? Because I want to win. And your gut tells you to do yeah. something different here. Okay? A lot of people like to get on Mike Matheny in St. Louis, and that's fine. He has the greatest quote in as an answer to people that want to get on him about some of the moves he's made. And it's this, and it's very simple. Just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. So what that means is players play. Players do things. You ask players to do things. As a coach, you take advantage of situations. You're always doing that. Yes, it may not be in your best interest to steal a base here, but if they're giving it to you, you have to try to take it. I would prefer a coach that played with the man mentality of, we're going to take what the, if you give it to us, we're going to take it. We're going to be aggressive. See, it's all about philosophy and style, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, but, and then that, that's the Patriot way. If we took, go football-wise, they, they did the same thing. Cardinals do the same thing when, they, when they're given the opportunity. Yankees, when they're in the 30s during that big barnstorm area when they started winning all those World Series. So, um, yeah, I would, I, would say that, I would say yes. But then going back to the situational standpoint, do you think it's okay for a parent to talk about the situation when it comes to their, to their, their kid? Um, like, okay. why, you're, not using his, you're not using his skills right. You're not doing this right. Um, okay, on that one. Okay, so here's what I would say on that. Number one, on the do's and don'ts. I think I'm not I am not good at all with the coaches that take the stance of don't ever talk to me about your kid. Got it. Because number one is this. That's their kid. Mm. Okay? You're not so high and mighty that you can't talk to them about their kid. Now, you can control the situation. My big thing is, and I'll be honest here, is don't come to me and start comparing your kid to somebody else. If you want to talk about your kid, we're going to talk about your kid. I'm not going to compare him to somebody else. So don't come to me and tell me how your kid's better than this kid or he would have done this because that's no different than fans in, in big league baseball. Well, naturally, I think it was a bad idea. Cardinals, I'll give you Cardinal. You should not have started Jed Jerko there. You should have started Colton Wong. See, Jed Jerko was 0 for 4. And naturally, if you would have played my guy, he'd have been 4 for 4. Yeah. So I don't need any what-ifs or, or any particular situations. Baseball coaches typically, at that level, play and give themselves what they believe is the best chance to win. At the youth level, what are we doing? I believe in my heart. Development. Okay. Yes. Now, again, remember, I have been called a communist on this show because I preach development over winning. And again, Spiker, you know me, I will cut you to win. Okay, I will cut your heart out to win a game of anything I play with you. You can do both. What I'm saying is, is if by doing the right thing you lose, you tip your cap and grow from it. You don't just say, oh, well, we lost. I never said that. What I'm saying is, is that you never know when somebody else may step up and give you a chance to win. I say it all the time with pitching, how we overthrow these kids with no rest. If somebody else pitches, maybe you need to out-hit somebody one day, or maybe you'll step up and make some plays behind them. Or, God forbid, a kid steps up. And again, don't take this, what I'm saying, wrong. I did it my whole life. Set your pitching up. That's fine. If you want to set it up, set it up. I got no problem with that. 
But you got to give other kids a chance in those other situations. I saw too much of this at the youth level. Okay, we want to be a high seed, so I'm going to throw my good pitchers on Saturday and Sunday, mm. and that's where the epidemic is. Mm. Make no mistakes about it. I don't care. Jeff Passan, Lance Wheeler, Brian DeLunis, Rick Strickland. You can go down the line. Uh, Travis Kerber. I've been at the youth baseball field now for over 10 years, and I've seen it with my own eyes. The epidemic starts there, and coaches, you can turn it off. You can never listen to us again because if you're doing this, shame on you. If you are throwing a kid three innings on Saturday and throwing him three or four more, or God forbid, even more than that on Sunday, so that you can win, shame on you. You know what I used to say? We won a lot of tournaments, and we were a good team. We played AAA major the last three or four years we played. You know what I used to say? We'll go 0-2 on Saturday. Everybody makes it. You want to play us when, when you're the number one seed and we're the last seed on Sunday? We'll see at the diamond. You're going to get our best pitcher. And if we win, we'll move on. And if we don't, we'll go home. But I'm not. I'm going to throw other guys in my pool play games that – and you know how many times we won games because we played good defense or because we hit well or because a kid stepped up and pitched well in an opportunity that you gave him a chance? I don't understand. I don't understand how you have a select baseball team with six kids that can pitch. If you're going to carry 10 kids, and I'm here to tell you, sir, all 10 of them better be able to pitch. And if they can't, shame on you. If they can't pitch and they're playing select baseball, it's because you haven't taken the time to give them an opportunity. So don't give me a bunch of crap about how I don't have enough pitching. You do have enough pitching. It just may not be as good as you want it to be. And again, they're 9, 10, 11 years old. I'll go to the high school right now and grab my 18-year-old senior, and I'll bring him in here, and I'll ask him how many games he won when he was 10. He won't have a clue. I have no idea how many games I've won <laughs> Okay, <laughs> at the youth level. You know what even, he even, even high school. The only thing I remember is that we threw a Snickers into a pool. And at, had a great at, time. Oh, had a fantastic time. And then our dad threw it over, threw, threw a cooler of beer, and then it spilled all over the lobby. That's the stuff I remember. That's right. He remembers. I'll tell you what he remembers. We've had this conversation. He's not a dummy. He remembers that he had a good team, and they, they played in good tournaments. He says, I, I know we won some tournaments because I remember at the end celebrating. I know we won some. Couldn't tell you how many. I know we lost games. I know that here's what he knows, and this is the sad part. I know that you know we had a rough patch there where you were on my ass pretty hard for a while before I learned. He knows that. It breaks my heart. He just turned, fortunately, he's a great young man, and he gets it. And he's told me numerous times, I know you were just trying to help me. And I was a little lazy, and I could understand why you w- would give me that kick in the ass. But I still look back and know I could have done a better job. So God bless him for being of level head. But the truth of the matter is, it could have been. it, it could have went a different way. If his, if his attitude wasn't as good as it was, he could resent me for that, as opposed to understand that while it was not right, he did he did know that I was trying to do the right thing, even though I did ultimately fail. You're playing for the memories. I mean, I I for taught sure. Drew Drew Bennis, who's a really good friend of mine. Um, he's the son of Andy Bennis, and we were talking about St. Louis baseball, St. Louis County League, where it wasn't tournaments, it wasn't playoff scenarios, it was league play, and what we talked about were the moments before the game and then after the game and then the memories of what teams we played and then naming off different guys that we that we knew it wasn't about hey we won this game on July 12th no one cares or i had this big hit on July 15th no one cares well what when it's those relationships and those memories that you're going to be able to share like i i have a conversation with my dad all the time do you remember that time where we drove all the way down to Sullivan Missouri to play a one game double, one game and then come straight back and then we had to go back out there because they they had we had another game the next day so it it was the same it, it's those type of memories I had so much fun being around my son all the time um, in, in a lot of different situations. Um, the, 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 the having lunches with a bunch of kids and him having the opportunity. We did a lot of team stuff. We went on some – we did the Cooperstown trip with that group. Um, you know, so we did a lot of great things. But in the end, um, I, I, without question, wish I would have done some things a little bit differently. And there's some things that I think I got right. At the end of the day, we're all human. 
We all make mistakes. But as we, and, and you know what? Here's the thing, and you and I were kind of talking about this beforehand. You know, we're always trying to decide what we want to talk about on this show. And when we brought up the do's and don'ts when it comes to parents and how to handle things, and you said, well, and, and you did. You looked at me and said, haven't you covered this? And what did I say to you? You will never cover this enough because it's ever-changing. It's growing. We have new places. You can't talk about this enough. And here's why. I don't care what the problem is in the world. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, okay, for starters, let's, let's, let's put it in context. We're talking about baseball. We're not talking about, God forbid, world hunger or some of the religious prosecution, race, political problems that are going on, ISIS, war, whatever. Yeah. We're talking about youth baseball, okay? Now, but on that note, whether it be any of those things, nothing's perfect. But I do, and it will never be. So let's, let's just throw that out there. It will never be. But what it can be is better. And there's only one way for things to get better, and that's to open your mind. Listen to some people that have, that's my, that's my thing. Listen to some people that have been there. I assure you they probably have examples where they were good and bad, and we can learn. Completely agree. Just thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts from Jim with the babbling brook in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a game. It, it's definitely, it is a definitely game. a game. And when you talk about volunteers and you talk about coaches um, that get paid, it's the same thing. It's just it's trying to find that line and, and not crossing it. It's find those do's and those don'ts where you don't go into very, very specific stuff and, and cross that line with, the, with um, For sure. the coach and the player. Speaking of coaches, it's, uh, it's time now to go to our good friend Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv out of Chicago area. Uh, I say Chicago area, but uh, the gentleman has become worldwide as he's traveling all over the globe uh, using his EliteBaseball.tv, his training methods, uh, the way they go about teaching kids a game of baseball, both love and passion. Uh, there's nobody better. So when we're speaking of coaching, I, I always have to mention Justin Stone. Let's go to him now for his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Take it away, Justin. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv coming back with the tip of the week. Today is really a public service announcement for all the coaches and parents that are out there today. You've spent all this money in the offseason working with your travel teams, private lessons, and you set some training regiment that was designed to prepare you for the upcoming season. Games are about to begin, and the first thing that goes by the wayside is all that training that took place. We now shy away from it because the games become our focus. The end result of this is that players begin to revert back to their natural body patterns, and then you wonder why a month into the season we get into the dreaded slump. So here's my public service announcement to you today. Find a training routine that you can do in a shorter amount of time, both in pregame and on your off days between games, that will help remind the body of the body patterns you were trying to create in your private training or with your teams. All that training that we did was designed to get you ready to have success coming out of the gate of the season, and that happens most of the time. But just not visiting these cues for a couple of weeks or the drills that got you there, the body will slowly begin to revert back to the natural swing or arm patterns that you just naturally have, but in this case, usually aren't necessarily the correct ones. So it usually takes two, three, or four weeks before we see that negative spin and spiral begin to happen, and then player, players, parents, and coaches get in panic mode of what do we have to do to fix it. Well, the answer is simple. You didn't have to do anything new or different. You just have to continue what you did in the off season. And you may not have as much time to do this because you are dedicating a lot of times to games, time to games, but you need to hit it in short spurts. Just reminding the body, this is what I want you to do. And you're going to be able to stay in a good place with your mechanics, which will allow you to continue to have success on the field and avoid the dreaded slump. So that's your public service announcement for you today. Keep training, keep doing the things that got you to the point you are now, continue it through the season, and you're going to have a season of success. This is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv, and until next week, we'll see you on the field. Really good. Uh, I expect nothing, nothing less from such a great instructor of the game. And again, I encourage everybody, make sure you check them out, EliteBaseball.tv. Uh, it'll be a definite improvement for you to use uh, something of that ilk for any of your training purposes, whether it be just regular practices, individual training, one-on-one -on -one sessions with a player or your, your son or daughter, 
it is just it's, it's great stuff. Uh, again, I challenge anybody to check it out, EliteBaseball.tv, and tell me that it's not usable for any age. I, I do. I think it's, it's great stuff. Another gentleman that does a great job when we speak of coaching is my good friend with the St. Louis Pirates, Rick Strickland. Uh, I think he does a fantastic job. As I always say, I've trusted my kids with him, and um, I, you know, I'm going to listen when he has something to say. And that's why, you know, when we started the Ask Rick segment, uh, we get tons and tons of question each week, t- questions each week. I do my best to try to pick one that maybe a lot of people have echoed the same sentiment, uh, and I send those over to him, and we get an answer from a guy that lives it and breathes it every day. So, let's go now for the Blast Motion Ask Rick segment, brought to you by the St. Louis Pirates. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim, Rick Strickland again here. Glad to be back on the show again this week to talk to the audience and answer some pretty good questions that I get from week to week. And this week's question is a very good one. It's kind of uh, near to my heart because it's something that I talk about and train about every uh, every day in our training process. And the question was, and uh, let me pull it up here real quick, it was um, Coach uh, have me explain why hitting a ball on the ground is a bad idea. I spent my whole adult life telling kids to hit it on the ground or ground and run. I don't know necessarily if it's a bad idea. It just depends on what you're trying to do with your player. If you're playing amateur baseball or, or, or CYC or uh, just recreational baseball, with you know you're not trying to develop uh, the highest level of swing, then if that's the way the game is being played, then go ahead and play it that way. But to hear a lot of people talking about that as people are spending money uh, on private instruction, as people are uh, trying to advance their career both in college and on to uh, professional ball, they're always searching for ways to improve on uh, technique and style and things of that nature. History has shown us that the best hitters in the game don't have a high ground ball rate. If you think about this, I remember when I was a young man, uh, my hitting coaches, because I was very fast, told me to hit the ball on the ground. But when you do that, you don't really get an opportunity to develop uh, a high-level swing process, which is what you're going to have to have as you start to advance and play against high-level competition. And not just on the pitching on the mound, but also defensively. These kids that come over from Dominican Republic, down in South Florida, are really, really good and astute at catching ground balls and position themselves defensively to catch the ball and throw you out. I don't think there's really been many human beings on this earth that have been able to go out and consistently outrun ground balls. Just not, just not that way. A lot of times the way we've taught the game because of, uh, because of youth baseball, usually if you put the ball in play on the ground um, hard or weak, your chances of getting on base uh, were extremely high just because the competition you were playing weren't very good but that just simply doesn't hold water as you advance yourself and you start playing against better and better competition you better get to the point where you can hit the ball uh, either between people and more likely over people when you think of what pitchers are being taught pitchers are being taught to keep the ball down get the ball on the ground that gives their chances for the defenders to keep the ball in front of them which gives them the best chances of 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 making a, a defensive play Pitches don't want to live in the air. Balls that are lined, uh, line drives or balls that are struck well with launch angles of 20 degrees and above are really danger spots for the pitcher. Last year, um, and I think over the last couple of years, they've come up with a stat in the MLB called the barrel ball. And barrel ball is basically balls that are hit at 24 launch angle at 95 or 98 miles an hour and above. Uh, you hit 650 with those balls and you slug 1,500. Uh, compared to the person that hits the ball on the ground a lot. So if you're developing a high-level swing, the body's natural sequence is to put the ball on a uh, on a line drive plane, not actually to swing down on it. You really, when you're swinging down on balls and trying to hit balls, you're really having to do something that are biomechanically inefficient with your swing. And when you when that happens, it does affect uh, your ability to, uh, to make hard, consistent contact. So... Jim, as usual, I'm, I'm here. I love the questions. Keep them coming in. But if you want to develop the highest level swing, the ball needs to get off the ground and on a line drive. And if you're strong enough to be able to drive that ball as hard as you can through the air. That's what the best players in the game, that's what the best players in the history of game have done, is hit the ball in the air. I was thinking about this today. 
You know, people were talking about Mickey Mantle. Every time you see Mickey Mantle, if you can think about a video clip of Mickey Mantle uh, hitting the ball, it wasn't on the ground, it was in the air. So when we think about it subconsciously, when we think about great players, we don't think about them in terms of hitting the ball on the ground. We think about them in terms of, of hitting line drives and being able to hit the ball out of the park. And that's just the way the game is played. That's where the statistics says the game needs to be played from the offensive standpoint, along with making contact, not necessarily swinging for home runs, but being able to get the sweet spot of the bat on plane. But that's what's going to make you a better hitter and give you the best, the highest chances of getting a hit. Hopefully it's answered some questions. Keep them coming. Look forward to next week's show, Jim. Really good. Um, appreciate it. Uh, both coaches and the things that they do for this show is they allow us to uh, enhance what we're giving to the general public when it comes to trying to help as we all just try to get a little bit brighter, a little bit smarter, try to understand some of the things that we're dealing with out here. As, again, I say it all the time, if we're not going to talk about it, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to make any improvements. Well, this is I, I loved doing this. I hope we do this on a, uh, on a more constant basis. Like I said, I think we're going to start doing these. I don't um, uh, I don't know when we're going to do these all the time. Uh, I, I would say we'll try to get to these once a week, these kind of like moments with us, so to speak, special edition things. Look for them. We'd like to get to where we're doing one of these types of shows once a week, but just look for them if you can. I'm looking at um, the Arch Velocity series and thinking to myself, I hope you guys are enjoying that. Uh, the chasing velocity thing is also an issue for parents. They all want their kids to throw hard, so they want their kids to throw more. Pay special attention to that too, parents. If your coach wants to be safe with your kid's arm, trust him on that one. That's something I could throw in there as well before we go. But um, enjoyed this today. This was good stuff. It was, it was very good. Very um, good. Got got passionate. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Don't forget to check out the ropetrainer.com. Uh, Earl Perrin, all these guys do a great job of sponsoring the show. Couldn't do it without them, of course. Uh, I suggest you guys check us out at Podcast Baseball. Uh, that's our Twitter handle. YouthBaseballTalk.com is where you'll find us on, uh, on the, the web. It's a way to listen to some back episodes and stay in tune. Uh, for Jim Cromer and Spiker Helms, my new co-host, we will see you next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.